Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Eruvin, daf Kaf Bet, page 22. Uh, our daf begins in the middle of a series of Agadita, um, which basically began on the previous daf, of course, and we're going to jump right back into, um, you know, what we'll call Eruvin topics um, in a moment, but I just, there's a very strange piece of Agadita here. It's a little bit disturbing, and I thought it worth sharing, um, if only just a puzzle. Rava Amar. So Rava says, He says, There's a, if a person makes himself cruel to his sons or the other members of his household, like a raven does, and he's doing so for the sake of Torah. And this is following on the discussion that immediately precedes it of people who would be tremendously self-sacrificing for Torah, um, which, you know, follows back to our discussion of Rabbi Akiva, but there's been quite a lot of discussion since then. And in this case, the the implication is that someone is doing so, you know, being self-sacrificing for the sake of Torah in a way that is not really above board. Um, because again, is a person who makes himself cruel to his family, ostensibly for the sake of Torah. It, there's a story, there's a case where Rav Adabar Matna went or was going to the the study hall to the Beit Midrash, and he was going to learn Torah. Amrala Debeitu, and his wife says to him, "Yunuki your children. You know what shall I do with your children for your children?" Um, and of course, I'm struck that the this thing that happens, right? That the children are always the other person's children when something is wrong, right? So in this case, it's a little bit more pointed than that, right? Her point is, you know, you're going, you're running off to the Beit Midrash. What am I going to do to feed our children? Except for, to make the point, right? They're his, your children. He should kind of own his own responsibility here and, and you know, come help, whatever. Come get with the program. Um but this is exactly her question. You know, you're you're running off. How am I going to feed them? Amarla, he says to her, "Mi shlimu kurme baagma." He says, "Are there kurme? Uh, seems to be rushes. Um, rushes. You know, the it's a plant, right? Um, and it grows in a marshy area. And I guess you could eat it. Meaning, this is not the first time I've heard of people eating rushes. Except for that, again, it's not." It's not, it's not what you would hope to feed your children, right? To go foraging because you don't have anything else. Amarla, Michel, Mukurme, Bagma. So you can, are the, are all those rushes gone? Meaning, you have you no bread? Then you can eat the food from the rushes. And the implication here is really, uh, I don't know. It's really harsh. It's really harsh um, in terms of the the degree to which his attention to his family is taking second place to his running off to the Beit Midrash. Oh, whatever, as long as you can eat something, anything from the from the field, it doesn't matter. That'll be sufficient. Um, and the Gemara does not, is not presenting him in a good light either. Um, so I just, I found it interesting that, you know, to the extent that cert certainly there is praise for one who is self-sacrificing in the name of Torah, here, there's also a recognition that there's a limit to how that, how far that can go. I think it goes on here and, and you know continues to explicate different verses 
um, that, you know, continues to point out where someone could go wrong. But that was the piece that really just jumped out at me as as glaring and, you know, requiring attention for its own disturbing nature. Well, I got to give the Gemara credit because, you know, I think we often these are the passages that are not as famous. You know, we are always drawn to and I also would say that let's say there's a tendency now in sort of modern day observance of some of these types of Rebbe books that are out or stories to sort of only record the good. And I appreciate that the Gemara is willing to record something that may be much more difficult to read and to think about what it actually means and to watch where somebody may have taken something really to an extreme in a certain way that's not necessarily admirable. And, you know, it's sort of in a way like we have to learn from the good and we have to learn from the bad. And if we only record what's good, almost in a way, it's, we can't identify what's problematic or difficult behavior if we sort of pretend that it doesn't right. ever exist. I agree. And, and a recognition that people can go off the deep end, you know, in, in ways that are perhaps not um, predictable. You might not have expected somebody to kind of um, not prioritize their own family. But I guess it happens, you know. Yeah. So the Gemara then, you know, uh, gets back to Reuben afterwards. And um, this again gets back into the question of how big of an area can these, you know, Pessim actually uh, enclose, which we've discussed before and seen on previous Dapim. But they're going to bring up two new issues here in this Dap. I'm not going to read through both of them. I'm just going to read through the first one, which is basically can if people... Uh, go through, if there's a lot of foot traffic in this particular area uh, of the Pasim and the Bear, does it sort of invalidate anything that the Pasim do? Um, and I think this is sort of some of the tension that we see throughout of all of a Reuben, or really with all the Rishuyos, that on the one hand, there's sort of physical constructs, right? Like if you have the 10 Tzfachim with the four Tzfachim wives, that's a Rishus HaRabim, you know, what is a Rishus, uh, sorry, Rishus HaYachid, what's a Rishus HaRabim? Like, What's the amount of physical space that all of this requires? But then this is sort of getting into the essential question of, but there are people living there also or using that also. And do people impact how we view that part, you know, how we view, like, does the use impact how we understand uh, the land itself? So we start with the Mishnah here. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ima Yadzerek Rashud HaRabin, Mas Katan, Yizkalena Litzdadin. So it's a very short Mishnah where Rabbi Yehuda basically says, if there's a public pathway that goes through this area of the Pasin, right, you actually have to, you know, and, and surrounds as well, you actually have to divert the path. The path is not allowed to go through this area. And the Chachamim say, no, you don't have to. That even if people are going to pass through here, this area, once you've marked it off this way, you can use the water that's in the well and you don't have to divert it. So then the Gemara goes on to discuss this. Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Eliezer to Amr Trabai, who Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Eliezer both say, Kan hodicha kochan This tells you what the strength, right? The, the literally the koach of mechitzot are, right? That even if you have this public pathway that goes through this area, because there's a mechitza, because there's these pasin, right? This is different than a koa or a lechi. There's like actual physical barrier here, right? It, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, this is okay. And one is still allowed to care, you know, one is still allowed to carry him. Khan Usavrele. So then the Gemara is going to say, did he mean 
right? When Rabbi Yochanan said this statement, did he mean here that the rabbis expressed this idea here, right? Right, so now they're going to give something that's even, right? Isn't this the case of Rabbi Barbarchana? And we, we had this example before, said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, right? And remember, this is Rabbi Yochanan who said this now here, that Yerushalayim, even though it's walled, right? Was it not for the fact that the doors were locked at night, right? One would be, one would be Chayav uh, if you carried, because it actually is considered a Rishusa Rabbin. So what is Rabbi Yochanan saying with this statement? That the Mechitza, right? The Mechitza, the partition of the wall is actually not strong enough because it's used as a walkway. In other words, because Yerushalayim, everybody's walking around. It's basically Rishusa Rabbin. You need something more than just the mechitzot, right? You need the nalot. You need that the door, the doors, are actually locked, right? Ella, so what? Kan right? Rabbi Yochanan, what he says, this statement is he's saying here, right? The rabbi said this idea, but Rabbi Yochanan himself, he actually doesn't agree with them. Urami de Rabbi Yehuda, ad Rabbi Yehuda. Urami de Rabbanan, ad Rabbanan. And so the Gemara now is going to explore that maybe there's a contradiction between the statement of Rabbi Yehuda. And on Rabbi Yehuda and a contradiction um, of the um, of the Chachamim uh, on the Chachamim. This part I'm actually going to skip. Um, but what I thought was also interesting here is is that if we go down um, to Amud Bet, um, that now there becomes a discussion of actual geography itself and sort of how um, different geography. Or I guess I, maybe it's more like topography. Is maybe. that the right word, Anne? Like how the land actually were like looks that it can actually, you know, fast, you know, it can close off areas. I'm a Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef. I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. Eretz Yisrael ain't chayavina leha mishum This is like an amazing statement. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef says that Rabbi Yochanan said, Eretz Yisrael, you're basically not ever chayav for caring in a rishus harabim. Right? Yatev Rabbi Dimi v'ka'amar le lab shma'ate. So Rabbi Dimi sat and recited this halacha. Amar le Abai, Abai said, Rabdimi says to Rabdimi, my Tama, what's the reason? How could you say that there's no Rishus Rabbim in all of Eretz Yisrael? Ilma le Mishum de Makifla, Suma de Tzor Mahach Gisa, Umachdana de Gader Mahach Gisa, right? So he's saying, if you're going to say that this particular law of Eretz Yisrael, it's because it's surrounded by what translates into English, is basically the ladder of Tyre, right? Is that how we say it? T Y R E. I never know yeah, how to tire. say that word. Right. And tire, right? Sure. Tire becomes on one sore. side. And the slope of, right. Sore. Right. And the slope of Gadar on the other side. Right. So, in other words, these are areas that are basically 10 Fachim high. And so, therefore, in a way, all of Eretz Yisrael is surrounded by this part, this, you know, land that's 10 Fachim high. And so, therefore, technically, all of Eretz Yisrael is what? Is it? It's a Rashus Hayachim. Okay. Um, Babel Nami. So he says, okay, so then we should say the same thing about Babel. This is all Abaye speaking. Right? So he's saying what? It's surrounded by the Euphrates on one side and the Tigris on the other side. And so therefore, and then he goes on to say, And he says, if you want, you actually could say what? The whole world is surrounded by ocean. All land is surrounded by ocean. And therefore, nothing should actually be considered to be a Rishu Sarabim. 
everything should actually be Rishusayachid. So maybe what you were really talking about, so what he's basically saying to Rav Dimi, Rabbi, is like, okay, this actually doesn't make sense what you're saying. But maybe what you're talking about are the Ma'alot Umoradot, right? The ascents and the descents of Eretz Yisrael. So, you know, now they're getting into a different question, which is these are basically areas which are difficult for people to travel in. So we're saying something different, sort of the opposite case. The first case we were dealing with, the case of our Mishnah and a little bit of discussion of the Gemara is that if it's a public place where people, it's very easy for people to go through, should somehow that, the fact that it's basically functioning as a Rashusayat Rabbim, should that invalidate any of the Mechitzot that you put up? But now we're dealing with a different case. We're dealing with a case that's really technically not, it's really technically, I guess, a Rashusayat Rabbim, but because it's difficult for people to actually travel there, maybe you're actually allowed to, you know, maybe you're actually allowed to, um, you're actually allowed to carry. Um, and so, you know, so then they get, so then they, they mention her also, Idmar Nami, it was also said, when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael, he said that Rabbi Yochanan said the following, some say it was Rabbi Yavau who said this in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Right? That the these ascents and descents of Eretz Yisrael cannot be considered a Rashus HaRabim. Why? Because they were not like the banners in the desert. And in other words, now we're getting back to that a malacha has to be like a prohibitive action has to be tied to the experience of the Mishkan or the experience in the Midbar. And since in the Midbar, right, in order for it to be sort of a it has to be a place similar to what the camp, what the machana looked like. And these ascents and descents is not anything what the camp looked like, right? You couldn't have a camp. You couldn't have hundreds of thousands of people over these areas that are, uh, you know, that are uh, ascents and descents. So I'm not going to finish the rest of that Gemara there. Um, but I think, you know, this stuff just raises two very interesting points about space. That yes, it's easy for us to say, we'll put a mechitza up, we'll put this partition up, but what do you do about the fact that there are tons of people there? And ultimately, the, the, the Mishnah says that Chazal say, we don't worry about the people. Like once the mechitza is up, it's up. And then the flip of that is, what do you do about areas that are just not easily accessible, that lots of people can't go, go to or, or can't walk through? We cannot consider those to be a Rashusa rabbit. And we ultimately tie that into what did the machana and the midbar look like? So I think that this this physicality versus what we have described before as like oh I don't even remember exactly what we said, but right where where having certain structures or concepts of structures then makes them real versus having an actual physical structure there, I think is really interesting, right? Like that there are limitations to that. Um, concept of a physical structure that then becomes real in terms of the halachic um, implications as compared to when you actually have a physical structure, it goes further. It, it accomplishes more. It's harder to, to remove, I would say, right? And I think that that, that, that um, distinction between when these, when these partitions are there or when you say, well, that's not, we don't go that far, right? The mechitzot there are no longer there. Right, because because are we t now we're talking about a Rishi Rab and whatever, and I feel like I don't know that I would have expected that. I feel like I would have thought that the rabbinic construct 
would be just as strong as the physical reality. And I find it interesting that they that there's a recognition that that there's a you know, I, I, I don't want to say imaginary, right? Like, I feel like the moment we start including, you know, when we talked about love it and we talk about a good and we talk about all these different ways that the lechi and the kora become a partition for real, right? But they're not quite for real. And so I find, I mean, I understand I'm a little bit, I'm talking in circles here, but, but what I find to be interesting is that there's a rabbinic recognition that there's a physical reality that is stronger than the rabbinic reality that has been de- that that they've defined according to the partial physicality. Yeah, I love. I think that it's a great formulation. That if we're dealing with a Reuven, which is purely rabbinic law, what this staff is dealing with is okay. What do you do if the actual reality of the land itself or how it's used, you know, sort of comes up against the rabbinic reality? of what we want to create that area to be, right? Like we want it to be a Rishu Sayyachid, but it's not functioning right, as a right, Rishu exactly. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and sort of the reality versus the rabbinic use of space on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And in-